From the Language App Babble, this is Multilinguish. I'm content producer Thomas Devlin. Being funny is hard, like really hard. You might be able to get some laughs among your friends once in a while, but becoming a funny person can take years of practice. Now, try throwing another language on top of that. In this episode, we explore how to be funny in other languages and look to sitcoms and comedians, including multilingual comedian Eddie Izzard, for the answer. Before we get started, a reminder to rate and review Multilinguish wherever you listen, and be sure you're subscribed so you get new episodes as soon as they're released. Today, I'm joined by executive producer Jen Jordan and head of video production Ruben Vilas. Thank you for coming today. No problem. Thanks, Thomas. All right, so we're going to start. I have these jokes that were translated from Spanish to English, and I'm just going to tell them. And you can laugh as much as you'd like. <laughs> um, what's the laziest type of cow? Am I supposed to guess? or You, you can guess. guess. I mean, I can do a long pause. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> a vacation. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to move on to the next one, and then I'll explain at the end. Okay. What did one roof say to the other roof? <laughs> I like the looks of horror on your faces. <laughs> I didn't thought you put on the spot. I, I, I have no this idea what it's going to be. Like. It's supposed to be embarrassing for you, Thomas, not That's for me. too bad. <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> Lastly, what did the one say to the ten? <laughs> to be like me, you have to be sincere. So I'm guessing all of these come from a word pun. Yes, they are all puns. So the laziest type of cow is vacation because the joke is it's vacaciones, hmm. oh. which it means vacations. Yes, vaca. And so the cows are vaca. Yes. And thus, it's a bun. Uh, the second one, which is what did one roof, it's que le dijo un techo a otro techo, and it's te echo de menos, mm. which is like roof. Yeah. Techo. <laughs> even in, even when I explain these, they're not like yeah. phenomenal. And the last one is what did the one say to the ten? And then actually, did I do this wrong? Who knows? <laughs> to be like me you have to be sincere. It's para ser como yo debe ser sincero. Sincero means uh-huh. without zero. Wow. Uh. These are like dead jokes from yeah. around the world. They are. <laughs> I mean they're the ex- easiest examples. And obviously it goes the other way. We actually had one of our lovely co-workers, Ted Bentelli, write about work jokes that work in English and not other languages, which are not hard to think of. You've got like, someone says, did you get a haircut? And then the dad, because it's only a dad, says, no, I got the mall cut. <laughs> and, <laughs> of course. and it depends on oh, if there's a collective noun. Because, oh, right, because yeah. the singular yeah. versus plural. Okay. Yeah, so if you did that in French, it just wouldn't make sense. Because it's a chevaux in French. So the central question of this episode that I have is, is humor the same everywhere? Is being funny the same everywhere? And so this would be no. <laughs> a- end of episode. Yes. <laughs> it's over. It's thanks, been decided. Th- thanks for inviting us. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's not that simple. But I wanted to start there because I think it's a good example where it's just like being funny in another language does not mean just taking what you have and then word by word translating. Um, So I wanted to ask you first, Ruby, because you're both 
very funny. And also, <laughs> English is not your first language. Thank you. And so I wanted to know, when did you know you were funny in English? Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, growing up in Portugal, like, the humor is very different from American humor, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know when I started being funny. I think I was always funny. I would not call myself funny, though. I would call myself annoying. That's well. what my wife says. <laughs> <laughs> and most of my friends. I'll throw something out there. I think Ruby is funny because he also gets a lot of, like, the context and the culture. Like, more, like I grew up without cable, which is super weird. Mm. But it also means I missed out on a lot of, like, the, like, context of, like, the kids of the 80s or the 90s have. Whereas, like, I feel like you've managed to absorb at least as much as, if not way more than I have, even though you didn't grow up here. And I feel like yeah. that's, you're able to make, like, jokes about that and other people, because a lot of comedy can also be about, like, context and the culture. And that's the part that probably doesn't translate in addition to, like, the yeah. word-for-word comedy. I feel like I was also exposed to comedy very early because one of my, one of our neighbors would, like, let us hook up his, like, dish so, like, uh, we would have access to all these channels. And that that's actually how I learned to speak English, was uh, watching Cartoon Network when I was, like, five years old or something. That totally uh, makes sense, yeah. though. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so not only, like, uh, would I see, like, uh, would I reach, well, would I want to see these, uh, like, TV shows? When I was younger, I was already, like, very into, you know, kids' humor. And Cartoon Network back then was pretty wild at the same time it definitely is and yeah. i'm super like i would be super jealous of you as a kid yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got like pbs and that was it <laughs> yeah i also got that yeah and that was i loved arthur but it's very very <laughs> different yeah. um before we move on we're gonna talk a lot about sitcoms because that's a big example of how comedy does get exported but before i wanted to ask you jen because you like me english <laughs> primarily um, like you were saying, I like you. And I was like, I'm okay. We're okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put that on the record. Okay, pr- anyway. Press the button now. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to delete, delete the file. Um, have you tried to be funny in another language and has it worked? Um, no. I I would have to do the direct translation word for word thing to even kind of make a joke in another language. Um but the biggest thing for me is I really struggle with um, emphasis on the right syllables and intonation in other languages. It's like the main thing I, I struggle with in general when speaking. So I can't imagine delivering a joke and knowing how to do it in a way that comes out being funny. Because I could say the words for sure. I could translate something into French and know that it would be funny, but I wouldn't know how to say it to get a reaction. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think comedy is a good, like, bar for when you know you've got a good grasp of not just the vocabulary, but you have to know a lot about a language to really be funny, especially because so much relies on references and double meanings and stuff, which is why it's hard. I find whenever I speak Spanish, I'll be very dry. Maybe in a Spanish class, I said something that was funny, but that's mm-hmm. kind of like Spanish class humor where it's we're all just in this room for 50 minutes together, and if you say anything that's kind of okay in another language, everyone laughs. Yeah, I mean, when people are learning languages in a class, you normal, normally will be funny always because, you know, 
Yeah. Someone will say something very wrong and people will laugh. Not to make fun of them, but because they also feel like they're in the same situation. So mm -hmm. Exactly. If someone's laughing at me who speaks another language, it's because I'm making an idea out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> or I asked yeah. for something, like I made like a stupid error or something. Yeah. Yeah. So being yeah. funny not on purpose is before you can be funny on purpose. I know we're probably going to talk more about God in the future, but he had this joke that I heard over the weekend where he was talking about putting the emphasis on the right syllables when he was like working with an English coach. And she, he's like talking about like where to put the stress. And he's like, the stress is all around. <laughs> like <on every laughs> syllable. It was like a very Jerry Seinfeld esque delivery. And I could tell he worked so hard on it and it just made me like love him so much more. And that's Gad Elmaleh. Mm -hmm. Yes. We will get him to him a little bit later. Sorry for jumping it's, ahead. It's okay. He is very funny. But first, speaking of Jerry Seinfeld, we're going to talk about a TV show that is a great example of comedy that, for some reason, just has not translated. And what leads me to answer no to the question, is humor the same everywhere? Seinfeld. So Seinfeld in the United States was obviously a huge phenomenon. It's kind of died down, obviously, because it's been over for probably over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. Honestly, I was barely a baby when it was airing. But it was hugely popular, which, of course, means they want to bring it to other markets so that the actors can make as much money as possible. And so they did that. And The Verge wrote this piece about the process of turning the show into a German show and that despite best efforts, they did the work. It just did not work at all. So what, what was this? Was this a remake of Seinfeld? No, it was just literally doubling the show oh. and trying to be get as close as possible. Okay. The article it said... <laughs> that, that, seem, that seems correct. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as someone who's lived in Berlin, you yeah. can confirm. I, I mean, I've seen... I've lived in Germany for seven years and I've seen lots of stuff dubbed in German and it's, it's very hard to keep watching. Interesting. But only when it's dubbed. Only when it's... I mean, if it's not dubbed, it's fine. I mean, there's a, there's a worse part that they do, that they dub it, but they don't take the English track out. Oh, no. In, so, in some stuff. Like, not, not, not a lot of it, but... Hmm. That's, that's even worse. Wow. The article, to quote, says that the sarcasm and sophisticated plot-based humor did not tend to appeal to large German audiences, which is yeah. a big statement. <laughs> I feel like it's a generalization for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess sarcasm is generally associated with the United States sense of humor, but I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. But I think it's also important to point out that, like, this is not just like as you're saying, dub shows don't work that well. But Seinfeld just didn't work on even in like yeah. England, which is yeah. allegedly speaking the same language. And so the fact it didn't work there also seems to allude that maybe there's just, like, actually differences. And mm. also, there have been shows that have been successful, even when dubbed. For example, the show ALF, which... <laughs> yeah. Do you know ALF? Yeah, I know. I used to watch it dubbed in Portuguese. Wow. Because it was kind of a children's show. But he ate cats, which I thought was yeah. terrifying yeah. as a child. But, I mean, I saw both because, like, it used to be on in the morning, like, uh, in the weekend, I guess. And it would be dubbed then. But then le years later, it was like at night and some in like a, in cable or something. But then it was subbed, not dubbed. Just for those who haven't seen Alf, because 
I was only vaguely aware of it before this. It's about ALF stands for alien life form. Mm-hmm. And he comes to Earth and becomes part of a family and he eats cats. <laughs> and it's a weird puppet thing that lives. Wait, does he, Jen, does he ever eat a cat actually? Or he just always wants to with never achieves I've it. only seen a few episodes, yeah. but I, that's the only takeaway that I had as a child. <laughs> I had a pet cat. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to watch this stupid puppet eat a cat and i don't know if you ever actually did i yeah. doubt it it was a pretty tame show yeah. but i feel like they had the cat in the family and he always wanted to but never got to it <laughs> even though that, that was not even yeah, <laughs> that was not even the the theme of the that he's not like an a cat eating alien <laughs> that's my only <laughs> it was about away. family you know <laughs> well. i think i'm not really sure I mean, I think the difference <laughs> is like you're watching a puppet and like there's more like visual i guess interest too there's different type of it's a different type of comedy entirely from seinfeld seinfeld is people just complaining yeah and being sarcastic with each other and like i would say it's also incredibly new york focused but like there's other shows that have succeeded abroad that are very new york focused too so that's not really a fair critique yes this is true and the best example of that would be friends which has i I believe it's still true that it is always airing somewhere in the world and it's very successful, even though, as a Seinfeld purist, I think Seinfeld's funnier than Friends. Yeah. It's just way more still in the culture. I think it also is on Netflix. It is on Netflix, yeah. For now, until it leaves. But that's helped it kind of a renaissance recently. Yeah, I never watched Friends. Wow. My wife did. A few you had so ago. many deep cuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then Friends is the one. I'm sorry. Friends is, I remember, though, Alan also talked about this and how Friends is like wildly popular and a lot of people will watch it. And even though they must not, like, some of the references must not make any sense when you're talking about like New York or some of the situations they yeah. get into. But it is like one of those shows that I just don't. I guess the relationships between them are universal in terms of like the life events that happen and yeah. So comedy, it's complicated. I think we've gotten to that point so far because there's just things that seem to not translate though. Also there seems to be kind of a dubbing versus not dubbing situation. I think also the thing that like, um, like Seinfeld worked in Portugal because I watched it when I was younger, even though it was a few years after but it would also also play like uh, every day of the week. That's a lot. So that would that would be that would uh, that definitely helped create some kind of following. And I remember being in Spain on holidays and like trying to you know sync the TV to get like <laughs> the Portuguese channel to keep watching Seinfeld for that week, and I succeeded. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, yeah. I can kind of see though, like when you're thinking about like the ways. When something is funny, it's funny for more than just the words that are being spoken. So, like, in a culture that maybe prizes or understands sarcasm more, like, more so than, like, a German culture, like, you can translate it word for word in German, but I just feel like this is generalizing, that it's just not the same type of humor at all. Yeah, Uh, that's why I think, like, dubbing is not very helpful. I think it's helpful for kids for TV, like cartoons, because, you know, kids don't have a grasp on on English. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, they have they need to watch cartoons. But, like, uh, I think Germany would be better off if they just subbed Seinfeld, because if you just do it word for word, you know, it's a different culture. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of that, we're getting back to Ged Almola now, who ironically is called the Jerry Seinfeld of France sometimes, which is fitting. We're just going to mm-hmm. stay on that riff. So, Gald Almola was born in Morocco, and he was raised speaking a combination of French, Hebrew, and Moroccan Arabic. So, all of those together, but mainly he was performing in French for a long time, but then he decided to come to the United States. And in an interview with PRI, he was talking about how his plan originally was he had 90 minutes of comedy, and he was going to take that, and then he was going to turn it into English, and it just didn't work at all, and he kind of had to start over from the beginning and that's yeah it's I mean, tough i saw another interview i think i was telling you about on friday and 90 minutes first of all is an insanely long set of comedy i don't care yeah. how famous you are like 90 minutes is absurd and what he mentioned is his act in france and a lot of comedians acts in france were very props focused and very costume focused so he would literally be like he was talking because he eventually met Jerry Seinfeld and they're like colleagues and they have done some stuff together now. And he was like, how long Jerry's like, how long is your set? And he's like, oh, 90 minutes. And Jerry like fell over because that's such a ridiculously long yeah. set. And then he found out he's playing music during the set. Like he's wearing wigs. He has characters. It's not like we're thinking like Jerry Seinfeld. It's Jerry and a mic. Yeah, it's a whole show. Right? And it's right, only yeah. him either like you know, being observational and telling stories. It's very storytelling. It's very, like, person-focused. And that was not the case when he was famous in France. And I, I think that's, I think that's, like, a truly American thing. Yeah, yeah. Carrot Top hasn't been popular in many years. <laughs> <laughs> who else was there? Who was the comedian who, like, smashed the watermelon on stage? I don't know. Oh, that's going to drive me up the wall. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. And I know exactly what you're talking about, too. But, yeah, I think it is very much an expectation if I went to a comedy show and someone started going up with, like, anything besides just themselves, I'd be like, oh, no, what's yeah. about to happen? Yeah, because it feels so outdated and cheesy. Like, you don't want a vaudeville act. You want someone to tell you stories and entertain you and make you laugh. That's what I expect from a comedian. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want more than half an hour to 45 minutes of it. <laughs> but after we get back from a break, we are going to hear about a comedian, Eddie Izzard, who argues very strongly that actually, no, comedy's easy, you can translate it, it's fine. So we'll be right back. Multilinguish is brought to you by Babbel, the language app. It's time for another language learning lightning round. So Jen, why do you study a language? Ali, I study a language because in my aspirational best self, Jen knows how to speak another language and is a good global citizen that understands how to speak other languages and other cultures. And that's honestly it. Like, I mean, I don't encounter a lot of the languages I've studied in everyday life, like Russian, French, German are just not languages you hear a lot here. Um, I just think it's a really good thing to do. And I think it's something that everyone should do. Amazing. Steph, your turn. Why do you study a language? Um, Well, I guess the two languages that I speak kind of well besides English are Spanish and Russian. And Russian, kind of obvious, it's to um, connect me to my roots. Um, And I have found that, like, geographically speaking, knowing English, Spanish, and Russian has kind of given me the ability to communicate with, like, a very large percentage of the world. And so it's always, um, I always really like, I, I like it when I'm able to talk to someone who doesn't speak English. Ruben, last but not least, why do you study language? 
Um, mostly because of the place I live. So I lived in Germany and I never learned how to speak German properly. And now I live in Brooklyn and I never learned how to speak Spanish properly. So I also want to challenge myself to, you know, go all the way with learning a language. I mean, it's a, it's a matter of like where you live and how do you insert yourself in the community, I guess. Great. Well, with Babbel, you can choose from 14 languages, including Spanish, French, and Italian. Babbel is designed to get you quickly speaking your new language within a few weeks. We're offering multilingual listeners 50% off a three-month subscription, and new customers can get this offer by visiting babbel.com forward slash podcast. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com forward slash podcast. And we're back. So... So far, as mentioned, we've established jokes are hard to translate and it's difficult. But before we continue and talk about the comedian who thinks that translating is not as hard, I have the world's funniest joke. No reaction. Anyway. <laughs> no, I'm just so a, excited. For it's it. a really big buildup. So this is an experiment that was done by the Laugh Lab. It was a researcher named Richard Wiseman who worked at the University of Hertfordshire. Oh, no, Shire. Hertfordshire? Yes. You know what's not funny is explaining jokes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. A lab worst. for jokes sounds like the last place on earth yeah. I'd want to go. I know. I have read a lot about comedy, and it's a bit rough when you get into, like, the dissection. But he held this contest-ish thing where he basically had a bunch of people submit jokes, and then he wanted to see... If they spread out all these jokes across different countries and demographics, what's the funniest? And so, without further ado, here is the joke. It comes from The Goon Show in 1951, and it's a sketch by Spike Milligan. Anyway, two hunters are out in the woods when one of them collapses. He doesn't seem to be breathing, and his eyes are glazed. The other guy whips out his phone and calls to the emergency services. He gasps, My friend is dead. What can I do? The operator says, Calm down. I can help. First, let's make sure he's dead. There's a silence. Then a gunshot is heard. Back on the <laughs> phone, the guy says, Okay, now what? <laughs> Damn. That's, that's pretty good. It's very dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was not expecting that positive reaction. <laughs> but that is uh. the funniest joke. Any, yeah. any <laughs> I mean, I, I I honestly watched. I've been rewatching The Office because while I'm drawing, mm -hmm. and there was actually an episode where Dwight like uh, buries his great aunt or something, and then he says, "Like um, now we have to make sure people are dead because we buried some heavy sleepers by accident." <laughs> so the the way they do it is they just shoot. The corpse with uh, the shotgun. <laughs> and I think that's... Uh, same joke. Yeah, same joke. And I was like, why would you... <laughs> Even though I've seen this yeah. many times. I mean, it's a little bit unexpected, which I think is another key to like something making yeah. something funny is yeah. doing something unexpected. Yeah. But I think it's... I mean, it's not the funniest joke. No, it's pretty good. Right. All right, well... I like this. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it is a little bit dark to be the funniest joke, but I yeah. think that says something about the human condition, so... It's true, yeah. My overall point was going to be about how, basically, it's the funniest joke in that it's, like, average, highest, like, it translates, yeah. it works. Yeah. 
But then again, like, what is the world's funniest joke? I feel like the times that I laugh the hardest are just, like, the most inside joke, like, talking to my family, and, like, we just, mm. like, make a reference that no one else could possibly get. And then we're laughing for, like, five minutes, and my dad's glasses are steaming up because he's starting to cry because <laughs> he's laughing so hard. But, obviously, context is important. Not everything is funny. I mean, humor can change also. If you watch very old comedy, it's not going to be yeah. the same. So jokes, jokes is different. Jokes can change. That's the point I want to get across before moving on to the next part, because I think I have trouble myself with Eddie Izzard's philosophy. Mm. Eddie Izzard is a comedian. He's actually also a member of the British Labour Party's National Executive Committee right now, because he's mm -hmm. just very talented. He's also before done 27 marathons in 27 days for Nelson Mandela's 27 years in prison. Okay. Um, and then he decided after he did that, I'm going to do something even harder, and he wants to perform stand-up comedy in as many different languages as he can. So far, he's done Spanish, French, and German, and he wants to do Arabic and Russian and Mandarin Chinese, and that's a lot. And does he speak all these languages? Yes. Hmm. And no. And but wait, my sorry. I'll let you ask your question. Does he want to do like these shows, like in those? Uh, like, does he want to do a Spanish show in Spain or in Mexico? Yes, is that he his is goal? Okay. Generally traveling around. I see. Yeah. And I'll let him describe how he creates his material. So I'm just developing the same material, the universal material, but I started in French. Um, so, I, so I've got this version of comedy, which is universal, I feel. I'm, I'm sure it is, because I can tell. And now I'm just getting it translated. Some of the key words in German I don't know. And I'm going to Germany now to do the same show that I did in Paris, but now in German. Then I'll bring it back to London, and I'll develop it further in London in English. Um, so it, it's a beautiful thing. That I, I, even though it's, I'm doing it myself, I think it's a beautiful thing. So I interviewed Eddie Izzard to talk about his multilingualism because it's just fascinating. And he basically has this plan. He's not as known in the United States as in England and also all around Europe, but he is just generally well-known. So he'll go to France and he'll perform it in English. I mentioned not being as famous just because it's important to know that there are lots of people in France who are just like, I'll see this Eddie Izzard in English. And then at the end he'll do 10 minutes of French. And then during his stay there, he continues developing it and just turns his show slowly into entirely French. And that's how he does it. And while he does kind of allude to this idea that he just kind of translates it, I think that's not entirely yeah. accurate because he's kind of interacting with the audience. And also, I think a lot of what usually you see with comedians is you're going to see like their final products. Like, you've got comedians like John Mulaney on Netflix, and they've got an hour, and it's easy to think that that's just like, oh, they've done that, they wrote that in one go. Yeah. But really, it's a slow process where it's five-minute chunks over time performed in smaller venues, and you have to kind of see what the audience is responding to. Yeah, I mean, Eddie Izzard is a special, I think, exemplary type of, like, comedy, though, because he... So unlike someone like John Mulaney, who has, I think, started out as a writer and really tightly scripts his specials, um, 
other interviews I've seen with Eddie Izzard and like my kind of gateway to him is seeing um, Dress to Kill, which was filmed, I think, in San Francisco and kind of how a lot of Americans um, came to be more familiar with him because like it was middle school. We were watching it in like my friend's basement. Her older sister had like brought out this VHS of this comedy special and I never seen, you know, he's like dressed in women's clothing with like lipstick on. Like it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. But the basis of the comedy and the reason it translated from the UK to America was because it was all historical comedy that he had sort of like made into a, a skit more or less. Um, but something he says that you sort of touched on is he does use the crowd and he improvises way more than like a lot of other stand up comedians would do. And it's because it's really dangerous to just like feed off of the crowd and improv. Like it's terrifying to like know you're going to be up there for an hour and you're like, I've got a loose idea of what I want to get through. But otherwise, I'm just going to kind of like go with what the crowd is feeling. Yeah. I also don't know if it's that simple to just translate something, you know, like uh, like humor in Portugal, for example. I feel like it's like it, it, it's not as sarcastic as like uh, humor in the US, for example. So it's a bit more like, you know, straight to the point, just trying to be funny with noises, you know, like with uh, laugh tracks. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm not sure if Eddie Izzard would go to Portugal and try to do stand-up in Portuguese. You know, if he would do stand-up in English, I'm pretty sure it would be great. But I'm not sure if it's that, yeah, if the translation works. Well, to defend him, I'll let him also speak for himself because he is pretty strongly on the side of comedy and there's no context he can't be comfortable in. So here is another clip. Now, this is what happens with comedy. People don't know this. This is my theory, but it's, I seem to have already proved it, so I don't even need to worry about whether it's true or not. It just is true. This is it. People say, oh, there's a German... Uh, the Germans have... Uh, the Anglophile, you know, British and Americans say, the Germans have no sense of humor. The French have a, uh, a visual sense of humor. Blah, 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 this sense of humor. Blah, blah, that sense of humor. And it's, it's all rubbish. That's all rubbish. It's like saying the Americans have a sense, this sense of music. All, all the Americans do is pop music. Not one of them plays jazz, even though they invented jazz. Not one of them. That's a crazy thing. Oh, the British, they, they just do uh, guitar music. That's all they do. None of them do classical. Blah, blah, blah. It, so there's no sense of music. We haven't talked about sense of music. Um, in fact, there's multiple different tastes of music in every country to play or to listen to. Um, and um, that is the same in comedy. If you think about it from an American perspective, um, you could say, um, Andrew Dice Clay, there's someone, a blast from the past, who's now doing interesting acting. Um, he did this very kind of, uh, kind of sexist, was it sexist or racist? It was, out, it was out there and not great taste comedy, but he got very well-known doing it. Mm -hmm. But is that the thing of Seinfeld? They're both American. That's American sense of humor. Andrew Dice Clay, American sense of humor. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, American sense of humor. Completely different, miles apart. Um, Monty Python, there's a sense of humor. We have our, our sort of racist and sexist comedians as well. And you say, so each one of those is the same sense of humor? Obviously not. There is broadly in every country a mainstream sense of humor and a alternative sense of humor, more off-the-wall sense of humor, and you could be political, surreal, this, that, the other, whatever, and the trick is, when you're going from country to country, is that you need to find that audience. First of all, you need to find that audience that has the same taste. That's quite a tricky thing to do. I think what 
Eddie Izzard is really good at, and he doesn't kind of directly come out and say it in that clip, but he's really good at identifying these sort of like universal cultural touchstones and building an act that sort of outlines around those. And then he is experienced and and talented enough to kind of work with the audience and build in some of their feedback or like more local flavor. Um, And then eventually in, in their language as well. He talked about this, I think, on one of the nerdist episodes he did several years ago, maybe five years ago. And he talks about how he actually builds his act just a little bit more um, in that context. And I think he kind of just like glosses over it in that clip. But that's how he has been more successful, kind of directly translating from language to language. Yeah, he has a lot of points. There's this saying, local jokes get local laughs, which is true if you make a reference let's say you're in some small town in massachusetts and you make a reference to like a pizza shop and you know something about it you can get laughs there but you're not going to get further than that and his point which he states very strongly which i think is why i bristle against it because he's kind of like no you can be funny anywhere no matter what and it's easy but i'm like no but i do get the point about you can make jokes that will be funnier in broader places just because they touch more larger truths about the human condition. Yes, and he mentions finding the right audience as well, which I think he's done a really good job of building this audience that everyone in that audience has taken a world history class and can understand some of like the basic premise of what he builds a lot of his humor around, which I think is important to note. Yes, it definitely helps to have people know who you are before mm, you go in. Course. Yeah, but I, I, th- I think that's it, like... Uh, Humor is also very cultural, you know, like, uh, I think that's why Seinfeld did not work in Germany, if you're just dubbing it, because, you know, that's not the uh, humor that Germans know, and also why it didn't work in Britain, because that it's very different, you know. I think now things are, things changed, because American humor is, like, everywhere, and, like, uh, like everyone knows American media, you know, like humor or drama or whatever. And it's not the same, like, uh, if th- this French uh, comedian you guys talked about, like, his show didn't work, because, you know, like, people in France don't think other things are funny. That's basically it, yeah. And I, I also think he was, like, comparing, the, like, people, like, on, like, extremes, like Andrew Dice Clay and Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course they're different. They're, like, you know, Andrew Dice Clay is, like, this very old-school, like, rude kind of humor. And Seinfeld, like, kind of innovated when he arrived even though now it's a bit dated dated like before it was like something completely new i'm dying to know what a funny german seinfeld episode would be yeah would it just be like (laughs) spending a day at like a bureaucratic office (laughs) filling out paperwork (laughs) we are Uh, a german company (laughs) you know that's not what it's like there (laughs) isn't it no i mean i get I mean, obviously, Andrew Dice Clay and Jerry Seifler are extremes. I think his overall point is he just gets frustrated with the idea that you can't generalize because there will be different people in every country. Yeah. And again, like I think the way he states things makes it seem more black and white than yeah. it is, but there is importance here. Uh, also, that kind of going into how he develops his material, I think it's important to look at how he actually learns these languages because that's wild to be able to do that because he just kind of has learned them. In the end, I, the real way that I'm learning is uh, what I call uh, uh, conversa- French conversation lessons, German conversation lessons. 
I um, and I will be doing this in Spanish as well, where you sit with uh, a person and you talk about anything, particularly in French. I do this. You just you je parle de n'importe quoi. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Qu'est-ce que c'est avec Donald Trump? Qu'est-ce que c'est avec le the meteor, the dawn, you know, the weather, you know, the thing, the this, the that. And they can say, no, you don't say it like that, you say it like this. And um, in France, when I was in Paris in December and January, I was sitting in cafes for three hours every day. Um, and I was I was do, going through my show that I would be improvising on stage, and they would correct me or give me better words for things. My teachers, I have two teachers, which I just ended up with, but I, you can just do it with one teacher. And... Um, and then, so I, I get the, the confidence that, well, that the fun thing is you can just have a coffee, you can have sandwich, you can have something like that. It's a real setting, and you're learning language, and it's more fun that way. You're not in a classroom with a board. And you, you take some of it in, some of it you forget again, you have to pick it back up the next time. But it's more like I want, I've decided that I want to learn like a kid learns. And I think maybe everyone wants to learn that way. It's a much more fun way of learning. I think that's very revealing of his whole process in learning because, again, he's not just translating word by word. He's speaking to all of these French people. It's learning by immersion, which is a great way to learn a language. Yeah. And so he's, it's almost comedy by immersion. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I picked up is he is doing the thing that we always recommend, which is tailing, tailoring your learning to exactly what you need it for. He's not sitting there learning all of the grammatical structures and how to compose an act in French. He's learning how to talk to people and how other people naturally talk. The other thing I noticed is he's like learning how to use a lot of the filler words so it sounds more natural. Even if you're not very fluent, you can kind of fake a decent amount of it by knowing how to use the right intonation and also use like those filler words that make you can kind of like drag out a sentence or something. And he's getting the benefit of being able to like immerse himself in that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's terrifying the way he does it. That's part of it. Yeah. I really listened to that. I'm like, I couldn't just sit in a cafe yeah. talking to people for three hours. Yeah, I mean, I, I know how to be funny in English because, you know, I I was exposed to it most of my life. But I d don't even know where to start to be funny in German, like to make a joke in German. Even though I'm not a great German speaker, like <laughs> I never did. I am pretty sure I never told one joke in German. Or made a funny comment in German. It just because it's terrifying, you know? Like, it's like you're trying to be funny, you know, in a language you don't know. Yeah, it's so very... Yeah. So I kind of uh, applaud him for, you know, going out there and... Sorry, I have a question, Ruby. So <laughs> you have been speaking English for a long time, but you mentioned a while back that you think in Portuguese. Yes. But then you speak in English. <laughs> is that the same when you're actually making a joke as well? Do you think of the joke in Portuguese and then say it in English? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. I mean, Quick, I, tell I, a joke. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like my my funny reflexes like are well trained enough now that I can just you know it will just come out. But so yeah, I mean, I'm pretty. I think I I think in in Portuguese most of the time. But it's like uh, the only times I realize it is when I'm like deep into thought or trying to figure something out. But uh, I think everything else is kind of automatic. Mm. So when 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 I like say something funny to someone, I'm like I'm I don't think I rehearsed it before. I think it just naturally comes out. But yeah, but I've been exposed to English since I was five years old. So thirty years of English is a long time. Yeah, because I'm guessing in a case like Eddie Izzard, he's 
being conversational and, and absorbing a lot of that, but the way he's adding on five minutes and 10 minutes and 15 minutes, he's not thinking in French. He's thinking in English about yeah, what he's learned yeah. to say in French. So in a, in a way you're, you're still translating your act. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's more genuine, I guess, than word for word translating something. I think it's also a personality thing. Like I couldn't do it in a language that I didn't know, mm. but like, his, but like I would be afraid of that. But uh, his personality is way more ongoing and like risky and, so I think that also that's also what makes him successful in that. It's terrifying to yeah. do comedy, as any comedian will tell you, and just like the fear that any night you could just bomb, yeah. and that's in your actual language. So I just think to go up and then be speaking in French, and if a joke doesn't work, you're like, did I say something wrong? Yeah. What, is it something what happens? Else? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of different aspects that go into humor, though. Like, even when you're thinking about strictly stand-up comedy, there's the language, which we talked a lot about, but there's also the delivery and the timing, and there's the way you say it, yeah. and there's the physical comedy aspect. I mean, like, Eddie Izzard does all of those, you know, and I think, yes, he's speaking another language, and, and that is, like, super impressive, but he's also just, like, a funny person and, like, yeah. funny comedian. Yeah. And like the way he talks, we can see you can see that he can turn his thought process around very quickly. Mm. Yeah. So quickly. Yeah. He's just got like the, this energy, you yeah, know. Exactly. Yeah. Even if he's gonna make a mistake, he probably can capitalize on that while telling a joke in another language. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't want to keep it too specific mm. to just Eddie answering because being funny in another language is something anyone can do. Not necessarily as well. You're not necessarily going to be performing to sold-out crowds in Spain after taking Spanish for a few months. But yeah. you can tell jokes in a club <laughs> to the people around you. And they might laugh. Not that I've ever been that successful in Spanish. <laughs> but I think there's a lot to take away. And I think it's kind of interesting to think about comedy learning and language learning almost hand-in-hand hand, because it just is a similar process where you're just learning, like, a vocabulary of comedy. Yeah. I mean, that's basically like learning the, the things you want to learn. Like the, the other stuff will come, but if comedy is like something that interests you, then I think that's a good way to learn it. Like try and focus on like, uh, how would you build a joke in another language? Mm-hmm. It's very speaking focused. Like yeah. you're not doing all of the other things that I think a lot of people start with when they start learning a language, they start with writing it or learning basic vocab you would want to go straight into speaking with a native speaker or listening to the native speaker comedians yeah. or shows like yeah. TV shows. It'd be a very different learning process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I want to end on one more quote from Eddie Izzard where I asked him a question that seemed obvious to why is he doing this? Because he could do English forever and be fine. Well, I thought at a time of, um, some people revisiting 1930s politics and saying, hey, let's separate out, let's build walls, let's hate one group of people, let's hate another group of people, let's try running through the 30s and early 40s and see where did that get us last time, let's try and do that again. I thought, well, why don't, seeing as, you know, more people voted for Hillary than Trump, seeing as uh, we've had two referendums, not just one, so um, why don't some of us try heading in the more positive direction for humanity and start 
learning the languages, doing things. I, I started performing in French, particularly for this, with a political idea behind it. Um, as well as the fact that you, you then, you know, I can now perform all through France and French-speaking countries, as in German, and German-speaking countries, including Austria and the Switzerdeutsch. Um, with Spanish, you get a massive reach. You get Central America, South America, and uh, parts of the Caribbean. And I really liked this idea of comedy is a way to bridge gaps. And I think that's part of the reason why he likes this idea so much, of why of comedy not necessarily being different, because he wants it to be a more unifying force, which it can be. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, that's a nice thought, I think. Yeah. It's a somewhat political sentiment, but I believe yeah. when you spoke to him, he had literally just been elected MP, right? Yes, he had been. <laughs> and it was just a rough time. It is political, but I think it's not that political to say that there are tensions in many countries going mm. on right now, and comedy will not fix that necessarily, but sharing a laugh with yeah. people is a great way to come together. Yeah, it can help. So, I think comedy is all about finding some common ground, too, because otherwise it's not funny. It's always like a shared experience. So, Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jen and Ruben, for joining me to talk about comedy and language today. Thank you. Thanks, Thomas. Sorry we weren't that funny. Don't worry, because we have a laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> right button this time. Fade to black. <laughs> Multilinguish is produced by the content team at Babbel. We are Thomas Moore Devlin, David Duchin, Steph Koifman, Dylan Lyons, and I'm Jen Jordan. Ruben Vilesh makes us sound good. Our logo was designed by Ali Zhao. You can read more about today's episode topic and more on Babbel magazine. Just visit babbel.com slash magazine. Say hi on social media by finding us at Babble USA, all one word. Finally, please rate and review this podcast. We really appreciate it. Wait, I have to figure out which one. I think it's the green one. Try it now. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did you try it though? All right.